Episode number 500 is up next on the Veteran on the Move podcast. 10 years of podcasting, 500 interviews with the veteran community, great military veteran, military spouse entrepreneurs out there. Holy cow, I can't believe it's 10 years and 500 episodes. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all your support. Looking forward to another 500 episodes in another 10 years. Jeff Starr with Win Home Inspection is up next on Veteran on the Move. Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. Whether you're taking a trip to relax or see somewhere new, you deserve a travel card that does the work for you. For more on Navy Federal's flagship rewards, visit NavyFederal.org. Coast Guard veteran Jeff Starr from Wynn Home Inspection. Jeff, 30-plus years in the Coast Guard. That's awesome. Looking forward to talking about business and entrepreneurship and what you're doing these days. So take us back. Tell us what you did in the Coast Guard. Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me on your show. Um, well, it actually started in high school. I joined the Missouri National Guard when I was 17. Went to boot camp in Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. Um, graduated from that. Went back to high school and did my senior year. Um, and then, uh, moved on to, uh, AIT, which is a training for the army. And I was a tactical radio communicator. So basically I, I carried a backpack radio and worked on the, the radios, got a chance to go to, uh, Germany, um, for a, a large NATO U S exercise and kind of opened up my worldview and my eyes a little bit, you know, as an 18 year old coming out of Missouri, central Missouri, there's, uh, you know, I lived in farmland, so I got to see what was going on there. And now I'm in another country traveling around with people that are a lot older than me that have been around. So got a, got a good view into um, a little bit about what the world was going on, what was going on in the world. So fast forward, I decided to go to college. I'm in college uh, pursuing a degree in aviation and uh, too much college activities and not enough good enough grades. And they, they gave me the invitation not to return. So, <laughs> you're, so going to CM, you're going uh, to CMSU? Yes. Yeah, yep. Right uh, there in uh, Warrensburg. Yep. 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 So great program, great school. Um, just, it wasn't a good time for me at that time to, uh, I wasn't ready. So now I'm deciding what am I going to do? Am I going to join the army? And, uh, started seeing some commercials about the coast guard on TV. I'm like in Missouri, you don't see a lot of coast guard. You know, because we're in the center of the country, we're landlocked. Yep. There's there is Coast Guard there. I found out later on, but not to my knowledge at the time. So I get in my car. I live in Columbia, and I drive to St. Louis to see a recruiter. I get to the recruiter's office. Goes, hey, thank you for your interest, but um, I can't recruit you. You live on the wrong side of the Missouri River. You need to go to Kansas City. <laughs> so, oh my! <laughs> so, so now back in the car, driving to Kansas City, and uh, get all the stuff done. And there's an eight month um, wait list to get in. So I go ahead and sign the paperwork and delay entry, uh, finally get in the Coast Guard. And uh, after graduating boot camp, I end up going to uh, Tillamook Bay, Oregon. So basically, they've got uh, motor lifeboats that are like the tanks in the water. They're meant to take 30, 40 foot waves. You get there, the windows are made of bulletproof glass, three inch bulletproof glass. You get into the boat. And uh, you strap in with a helmet, your dry suit, and uh, wow. the seat belts that buckle in. And you go out there and take waves and try not to take waves. But sometimes you have to for the fishing boat, the fleet that's coming in. 
So what an exciting job, you know, 21 years old, you're out there charging these giant waves, getting beat up by the waves and pulling people out of the water and rescuing them. Um, it could have ended right there. I could have stayed in that job forever. It was, it was amazing. It was an adrenaline rush. Um, but I, I wanted to do aviation still. Yeah. So I put my name on the, the school list to go to aviation in the Coast Guard. And I went to uh, Elizabeth City, North Carolina for uh, electronics, uh, avionics, and uh, had to wait a year for that school. So I got to play around and work for a while. Uh, the school, 38 weeks, um, learned how to do all the component repair of all the electronics on the plane. Um, graduate from there and get my first units in Traverse City, Michigan. Like, where is Traverse City, Michigan? And it's all the way up north and in uh, as far it's in the northern part of the lower peninsula of Michigan. Yeah. So and at the time they were flying uh Sikorsky H3s or what the army would have, or other services would be Sea Kings or or Jolly Green Giants. So I get there and uh I learned that uh after going to school all this time, I really don't know anything. <laughs> so it's time it's time to start learning. You're an apprentice. So you know, you start learning everything about the plane and the organization. Um, and as soon as I learned everything about the H3, I thought I needed to know, we transitioned to 60s. So then we got the, the Seahawks, the Coast Guard version of the Seahawk. So um, got to do that. And so spend eight to 10 years learning, you know, my craft and, and trade and, and just enjoying the Coast Guard, you know, the camaraderie, the people in the organization, the mission. Um, and then uh, took a took my next tour to Alaska, so I got to go to Kodiak, Alaska, and help them transition because nobody was qualified to fly the the sixties yet, only the first units. So I got to go up there and help stand up the program, and start you know training everybody and, and flying that mission with the sixty. But they didn't have the sixties yet, so I had to go back to the H threes and fly that again. So I was kind of flying them both at the same time. So. It was nice. I mean, I was getting you know, three and 400 hours a year of flight time. And, uh, you know, it was Alaska, some of the most beautiful uh, flying that you can imagine. We do stuff that, yeah. you know, I couldn't pay for. Um, so got to do that. Um, and then after leaving Traverse City or after leaving Kodiak, um, I transitioned again to another helicopter. I moved to Detroit and we moved to the Eurocopter 65, which is a, a smaller business corporate helicopter that the Coast Guard uses for its uh, ship-based operations. So I got to do that, and then I'm, I'm starting to roll up on my, uh, my, my uh, 20, 20 years. It's going to be coming up here pretty soon. I'm at, at 15. I'm starting to think, what am I going to do? So I started doing you know, different college programs to so get my associate degree. Well, I got my associate degree knocked out while I was still in Detroit, and then we go back to Alaska, where uh, I'm within a two-year window now. So planning on uh, transitioning out at 20, I go ahead and get my, uh, my Microsoft engineering degree. Um, and then that, that takes a, a year to do that. So uh, the, the tour in Alaska is only three years. So back to Traverse City. And uh, I'm looking at getting out at that point in time. And that's where I start my uh, first business up there. Um, I started a business in 2002, um, computer repair, um, building computers and servicing um, computers for large corporations. Yeah, where did the uh, where did the desire to where the desire to start your own business come from? Um, well, I knew I needed to get out, and I didn't really want to. It was going to be hard to replace an organization I'm already in. 
I didn't necessarily want to work for a company. Um, yeah. And so doing my own thing and my own, you know, not have to rely on somebody else to get the job done because I know I can do the job and I wanted to do it myself. So there was a desire. I did that job for about four years. And then, uh, um, lo and behold, I promoted myself out of my position. I was in, in Traverse city. So it was either, I was an E7 at the time and I was going to make E8. So I was like, okay, where can I go and, you know, make that kind of money? I'm not, I'm not generating that kind of income at this point in time. So kind of put that in the back burner and shelved it for a while. Plus I was seeing, I got my Microsoft um, degree and I saw that everything was getting outsourced and working on hands-on technology. You're always chasing the certification because everything's changing so quickly within the computer industry. Right. So I wasn't sure how, how much I wanted to stay continually chasing that certification. Um, so decided to go back to school. Um, we transferred to um, Miami at that point. And uh, that was a, um, a big cultural shift going from Alaska to Traverse City down to Miami because <laughs> the, the missions are different. Yeah, um, cold to hot. Right. So I went more from more of a search and rescue law enforcement to more of a law enforcement search and rescue. So the emphasis was more on um, law enforcement down in Florida with the international treaties and border protection type mission. So I started going back to school again, got my bachelor's degree and uh, finished up that. And then again, still wasn't looking at getting out at that point. We're at uh, year 24 at that point. Um, promoted again, made um, master chief or E9 and uh was waiting and um, wanted to go back to detroit fortunately nobody else wanted to go back to detroit and uh was able to pick up that job as uh, um, the command enlisted advisor working for the co in detroit um what great job great experience wonderful people i worked with and then at that point i uh started working on my uh, master's degree in, in business with a uh, uh, master's in health care administration some kind of shotgunning, you know, the different things I'm planning on doing when I get out. I wanted to make sure I could cover all the bases. I had done troop to teacher, signed up for it, got a degree in history, got a degree in uh, business, and then went, got an MBA and then an MHA. And uh, didn't do any of that when I got out. <laughs> so. <laughs> so what was your transition like? Uh, you ended up getting the J-O-B and uh, – was it smooth uh, on the way out? Cause I mean, you're, you're prepared educational wise, but um, w what was the twist and turn? Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, and it's not from the organization you don't hear, but I think ourselves, we underestimate our capabilities when we're in, we're thinking, Hey, we're in this job. We've been doing the same job on the military side, but when I get out, I'm going to have to, I don't, I can't, how do I deal with and how do I work in that organization? Yeah. You know, how do I fit in and how do I provide value? Yeah. And, uh, hey Jeff, uh, before we, before we get too far, let, let's take a quick break and uh, we'll, we'll, uh, reattack this on the way back. Uh, we'll, sounds good. we'll be right back. Getting a new car is exciting and you deserve a hassle-free buying experience. You can get a decision in seconds and enjoy great rates with everything you need in one place. Navy Federal's car buying center is your one-stop shop for researching, financing, buying, protecting, and enjoying your next car. You can search for new and used cars, access vehicle history reports, enjoy discounts on auto insurance and more. And you can make the most of your time on the road wherever you go with our flagship credit card. Whether you're taking a trip to relax or see somewhere new, you deserve a travel card that does the work for you. In my 33 years as a Navy Federal member, I've had the flagship credit card since it first came out. 
and we use our travel points all the time. The flagship credit card will earn you three times points on travel, plus up to $100 in statement credits towards TSA PreCheck or Global Entry, and a free year of Amazon Prime. With two times the points on all purchases outside of travel, the rewards don't have to end where your vacation does. For more on Navy Federal's car buying experience and flagship rewards, visit NavyFederal.org. Open to armed forces, DOD, veterans, and their families. Credit and collateral subject to approval. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA. Visa is a registered service mark of Visa used by Navy Federal under license. All right, back talking with Coast Guard veteran Jeff Starr from Wynn Home Inspection. So, Jeff, um, anyways, failed to mention, um, we talked about this before I hit the record button, you're at episode number 500, which is a major milestone for any podcaster, any podcaster. So um, I wish I had a door prize for you or something, but um, I just did want to acknowledge, you know, you're one of the few Coasties I've had on the show. So, uh, you know, congratulations on uh, being episode number 500, by the way. <laughs> well, Joe, thanks for having me on for episode 500, too. It's a privilege and uh, congratulations to you. That's a major accomplishment. Yeah, unbelievable. Like pretty much almost like 10 years, 10 years to the day, maybe within a couple of weeks of of when we launched uh, the Veteran on the Move podcast. So, um, wow. Really something. It's amazing. Yeah, it's great. I, hard to believe I'm still going after 10 years. So anyways, thanks to all the listeners out there that uh, stuck with me since the beginning. I know there's some of you out there and everybody else listening to. So um, so, so you, you had several degrees, you know, good on you. You're, you're, you're doing all the right things. You get out of the Coast Guard and then what happened? Right. So I get out of the Coast Guard. Well, as I'm getting out of the, out of the Coast Guard, I'm consider our first job because you know there's usually going to be multiple jobs when you get out I've done enough research done enough tap seminars and um had prepped myself enough that i knew that uh the first job wasn't likely to be my last job so i looked at it as my lifeboat job you know basically i'm <laughs> bailing out of the coast guard and i need to get into a lifeboat that's great but i'm looking for something that great analogy. Work. i love that one yeah it's it works pretty good um so i'm looking for this lifeboat job and uh so i started working with recruiters and I'm using uh, different recruiters, and I, I end up uh, getting an uh, um, interview at a steel mill. So I go to the steel mill. You know, I've got my $1,000 suit that I've, I've went out and purchased. And, yeah. and then the HR person calls me and says, hey, uh, um, anything you need for the interview? I said, well, what should I wear? She goes, don't wear a suit. I'm like, great. <laughs> so I've just bought all this great, this brand new suit, ready to go out there and dazzle the world. And uh, they're like, show up in uh, uh, jeans and a, and a nice shirt because okay. we're going to put you in a jumpsuit and we're going to walk you out on the steel mill floor. All right. That's what I did. I first interview I wasn't prepared for because it was a, uh, a interview with uh, five different people and they were each uh, rocket firing questions. And then after that, they sent me off to four different other people individually in their offices asking questions and, uh, you know, educationally and experience wise, I had experience in aviation. I could run yeah, aviation and, and anything that has to do with the, in the Coast Guard environment that I worked in. But now transitioning to a steel mill that is uh, loud, noisy, dangerous. And now I've also got a union that I'm dealing with as well, right. which is a totally different. Um, so I had to learn all the new rules and uh, nothing was going to prepare me for that, I thought. But uh, we learned how to adapt and overcome all the time in the military. So it doesn't matter what service you're in, you're used to changes. 
And that was just another change, another adaption, another thing to overcome. So got in there and just did who we are. Um, you know, found out what the strengths and weaknesses of everybody was and how to use their uh, talents the best I could and communicate with them. And, uh, it was really good. So I worked there for about a year and then, uh, an opportunity came up to go work for, uh, Fiat Chrysler. And, uh, so that, that was another management position for yes. a facility manager. Um, and all this being said, I got all these degrees and they didn't require a degree. So I helped a couple of my friends over E5s and E6s get the same job I had that didn't have any degrees. What they were looking for and what they valued was our military experience. The leadership that we brought from the hangar deck, the, the ship, the field, they wanted that experience of leadership in their organization. Yeah, that's great. So to move, yeah, so to move up any further in the organization, so they'd, they'd bring you in a six-figure salary as a, as a floor manager. And if you wanted to move up, they'd pay for education just like the military did. They'd pay to move you up and move you around. So the opportunities were there for anybody that wanted to, to go, but didn't know that walking into it, something I learned later on. And I, I used to read all the different transition magazines, and I, and I wish I'd known about your podcast at the time, too, because I retired in 2015. And, uh, and I'll recommend it to anybody I, I see too, because just listening to your podcast, I mean, there's a wealth of information that will help somebody as they're struggling and, and kind of contemplating the, the transition process. Yeah. So, uh, so as you're going through these corporate jobs, where was entrepreneurship? Where was that business ownership in your head? So, um, working when I was working at FCA, I'm on the third shift doing uh 12, you know, seven twelves in a row and you know your company's you know good to work for, pays well, but there's no quality of life. I mean I'm working seven twelves and basically, you know, by the time you transit to work and back, you're you're sleeping a lot. So you don't see your family and you know your like I said, quality of life's not there. So I'm I'm starting to look and I'm sitting with other friends. I'd gotten three other Coast Guard friends, so all the all the maintenance supervisors on the midnight shift were all Coast Guard um, aviators that I had worked with in the past. <laughs> so the whole plant was being ran by Coast Guard Aviation at the time. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, which which was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and we used to talk a lot, and I had different ideas. My wife and I had talked about owning um, a storage facility, a car wash, a dog, um, basically a dog d- daycare center. And uh, we we're thinking about different things. And uh, over all over all the years of moving, I mean, all the different PCS moves and and twenty five percent of our workforce moving every year. Quite a few times over my career, somebody called and said, "Hey, can you go take a look at this house? Can you go look at this house? Uh, we're moving from Alaska. And we're not going to be able to get there. You know, would you mind you know doing the tour with the real estate agent? We're going to buy this house. But we need somebody to take a look at it for us." So, started thinking about. Um, home inspection. And that's when, you know, the light came on that, you know, this would be more of a natural fit for me. So versus, I mean, we like the other stuff, but the other things you become more married to. So if I had a, um, a, a dog kennel or clinic, basically, that's a 24 hour operation where you're keeping dogs, running dogs. So it just didn't seem to fit in with our retirement lifestyle that we wanted to be able to, um, scale it in such a way where I can uh, take time off, network, 
or hire veterans as they come out, people that are like-minded, and then uh, let them work alongside us because they may not need a full-time job. They may just be looking for a side gig. And that's something that we're hoping to be able to do here in the near future to start bringing on veterans as they retire and uh, give them that opportunity too. Wow. That's awesome. So um, ultimately, like, uh, did you with did you end up uh, like how do you get good at home inspection? Like with uh, credential credentialing, let's say, um, and n- not that credentials are essential in home inspection, but because uh, you know if you've built houses and um, you know, depending on what your level of carpentry experience is, you, you pretty much know all the ins and outs of of homes, or sometimes even if you've bought and sold a lot of homes yourself. Um, you really learn to learn to realize what the important things are, but you got to know what the local codes are and things like that. Um, what about credentialing and, and experience wise, uh, getting into the home inspection business? Right. So that was one thing I wanted to make sure. So Michigan currently is like the wild, wild west. There is no credentialing requirements. You can go out there with a flashlight and a ladder and call yourself a home inspector. Um, and that's where the caution is. A lot of states are, uh, licensure states. And I, so what I did is I went out and got all the, the licensure. I went out and did all the same stuff another state would have to do to get that license. So I went through a, a national organization, both for home inspection, for uh, radon inspection, uh, for pest inspection, anything that had a certification in another state, I went ahead and got the training done. Plus our, our uh, uh, franchise company, they provide training that, that is also accredited. So, I did the outside stuff and the inside stuff um, to to get the the knowledge and accreditation, um, so so I could provide the best uh, you know product to our customers as 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 they go, and I don't like to be uh, guessing at things either. So the more knowledge I can acquire and the more more skills I can get, uh, the better off I, I feel and the better product I can provide to our customers. Yeah. So you are a Win Home Inspection franchisee. Yes. In yep. the Detroit area? In Detroit, yeah, northern Detroit. Okay. So what was it that drove you, I mean after a life of experience and even been, having been a business owner before, what drove you to becoming to to towards the franchise as opposed to just opening up your own home inspection business? Right. And I looked at that. I read a couple books and talked to some other um independent operators and I talked to a couple other uh, home inspection franchises and what it came down to was so it seemed like the independents you know you're doing it all on your own and their their ramp up time is you know four to six years before they start you know turning the point where they're profitable and then uh, talking to the other organizations that were uh, home inspection our values weren't quite the same uh, when I got to uh, win, it was more of a family organization type feel um, where you know, I came from an organization that was honor, respect, and devotion to duty. And I felt very similar to that with the organization where you can talk to them. Everybody is collaborative and works together. Even even though the franchisees are close, we all help each other out. We talk to each other. We share each other's stories. Um, when I go talk to another home inspector, it's like everything's a big secret and hush-hush. Nobody wants to talk about it. So... <laughs> Um, so when was a natural fit for me? Um, and like I said, it's, it's been a, it's an awesome organization. You talk about some of the things, uh, being a franchisee and coming into that structured system, 
uh, and not having to do everything, like you mentioned, for an independent. What what does win home inspection bring to the table for you to make it easier to get into the business? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're providing um, – so you still have to do a lot of the, you know, a lot of the stuff yourself. There has to be initiative and drive, but they make it easy for you. So if I need a advertisement or a graphic or marketing material, they, they produce it for me with however I want it to be. Um, if I need training on marketing, cause I'm, I come from the, the service. So I'm not out there as a salesperson. I'm not out there as a marketer. I've never done that before in my life. I've always provided a product. I turned wrenches or worked on people. Those are the things I did. Now I had to learn how to manage a business successfully. I had to learn how to go out and market to other people and let them know why they need to use us. And then, uh, you know, not, not only that, you know, manage the finances, you got to manage the, the web, um, all your SEO, all your marketing on all the different social platforms. And when does much of that for you, if, what they don't do, they make easy for me on, on the back end. So yeah. between automation and their drive to, um, cause I'm a technology person, all my stuff, all of the college, all the, my job has always been technology and trying to do the next best thing. Yeah. And that's where they're at too. They're always trying to push the envelope into the next, um, and, you know, increase the field of where home inspection is. So, that was a natural fit for me as well. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the landscape has changed when it comes to home inspections and, and with, you know, buyers and, and purchasers, homeowners, you, speaking of marketing and who you're, who you're trying to sell yourself to, you're not really selling yourself to the, to the homeowner or, or the buyer per se. Um, because the buyer really doesn't have a say, like if someone's buying a new house, Buyer doesn't have a say as in in the in the fight as to who who is it that's going to be doing the home inspection, um, and especially with federal loans and everything, it's kind of randomized. I don't know how you get in that queue. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like, um, sure, yeah, thanks. So I think you might be like, um, so like a VA appraiser is different than a home inspection. So that's where you get into the randomized queue of the the appraisers, where if it's a VA FHA. Or a non-conventional type loan. True. Yeah. Um, what we're doing, we're we're working directly for the buyer. So a lot of times, an agent will have their list of people they want to use, and they'll say, "Hey, here's three names of home inspectors." What we're finding out also is the younger generation, um, they trust reviews, so they're going to go to Google and they're going to look up and find a home inspector near me, and then going to start looking at reviews and seeing what people have rated the person at. Uh, so we, we have a mixture of probably 50-50 where 50% of the people are coming to us from our Google or social media and the other 50% are coming from referrals from insurance agents, um, realtors or um, loan officers. So okay. much of our uh, our business is coming um, from our networking and the other part is coming from our advertising and marketing. So... It, it's it's a good thing, and that, and that's part of what you know the learning curve is is learning you know where to spend your resources. Do you spend you know you got to divide your resources between uh, marketing, networking, and doing the job itself? And that's where you know my wife and I do it together. So she does a lot of the marketing and the networking, where I'm out doing the the hands-on inspections. Is your inspection broken out into items of uh, like importance, like? Okay, these things have to be fixed before you buy this house, or 
And here's a bunch of other stuff that you might want to consider. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, so the industry's changed so much. Um, well, and our particular report comes out. So there's a summary at the top and the summary lists everything that we find as a, a kind of like a honeydew list. And usually if there's uh, any issues, we'll, we'll stop the inspection at that point in time. If it's a major issue and say, Hey, you know, this is one of those things you need to talk about with your realtor. You know, do we want to move forward? You know, if it's, if it's major enough. If not, we usually wait until the end and we'll do a debrief, just like when we just get back from a flight, we debrief the flight. We do the same thing with uh, the home inspection. When we're done, we sit down at the dinner table or stand around outside and talk about everything we saw during the inspection. So when the buyer walks away, they've got a, you know, a good 90% feel about what the report's going to look like when they receive it in the next 24 hours. So that way our customer can, you know, walk away not wondering what did they find. And then they know what to expect, you know, because we, we do set down and set expectations prior to the inspection. So everybody is, you know, on the same, same sheet of music. Wow. Um, how many employees do you have? There's three of us. Okay. And are they all so, inspectors? Um, no. So my wife, um, who's our partner, he uh, does, like I said, the marketing and networking. And then uh, I have another partner, my friend, John who we've um, been stationed together five times throughout the Coast Guard. <laughs> so we work uh, side by side as partners in uh, this home inspection business. He's also an inspector? He is. Okay. So I was, what I was getting at is like home inspection can be one of those businesses where you don't have to have very many employees, right? Correct. Yeah, you can just do it with one person. There's many, many wind franchises that are um, solo operations and yeah. they're very successful. And so... Having said that, how much how much of your time, uh, if you divide out divide out your resources, how much time do you spend inspecting homes versus back office and everything else? So right now we're doing it. We do a, a ten o'clock and a two o'clock inspection, and what I we try to do is get the first inspection all written up before the second inspection. So we'll stop okay. at a Starbucks or a. Yeah. Um, a uh, Panera or some, you know, some restaurant and, and uh, finish up the first report, um, get home by four. Usually I have maybe a half an hour to 45 minutes to wrap things up. So usually done by six o'clock. Um, and so that takes care of the inspection side of the business. Then, you know, there's the, the rest of the business, you know, sending out emails, introductions, you know, following up with contacts. Okay. So it, it's all dependent on how much you want to spend. So if you treat it like a 40 hour a week job, um, that's what it'll be. Yeah. And you'll get, you'll get out of it what you put into it. So was that your idea? We do one at 10 and two, like, cause that's a cool thing where you're basically standardizing. You, you got two launches a day. Um, where, right. where'd that come from? Um, we tried different, different times. Yeah. And also we let, um, the realtors kind of drive our train. And what happens is if they want to do a five o'clock inspection, it totally screws up our life. So yeah, I have a, have a quality of life. You need to keep your time periods. Kind I mean, of, uh, like you said, like a schedule. I mean, that one simple little thing right there, probably totally. Uh, I mean, that's, I keyed in on that. Cause I'm like, Oh, you, you can do it at 10. You can do it at two. Can't do it tomorrow. Okay. Well then the next day, 10 or two, not, I'm sure you have realtors. <laughs> like, can you do it at noon? Can you be there at seven? Um, I, that's that. What was that? Was that your idea? Or was that, is that like a, uh, a franchisee recommendation? Um, across, across the, across the company. Cause like, I'm like, that is, I've, that's probably crucial to just stabilizing and normalizing your business. Right. And so at first, and I think the organization I'm 
So we we try to take any inspection we could when I first started. I would do any inspection at any time because I'm just trying to get sure. the business launched and meet new people. Now, as the as the business uh, has increased and my schedule is starting to fill up, I can be more selective in the time. So at first, right. you don't have that dis- discretion. I mean, you do, but to grow your business, you really don't have that discretion. You have to be very in, and very flexible in your times. Um, and I'm and I'm still for some of our agents, you know, if they if they have to have it, then. But I really try to keep it to that ten and two because it does yeah. it maintains our quality of life. Yeah. Do you mind? Um, do you mind if I ask, like, how much do you charge? How much is a typical inspection cost, um, or does it no, vary no. a lot? So the our average turns out to be about five hundred fifty inspection. That's what I would guess. Um, but it's, yeah. the, it starts off about three thirty, and it's all based on size and age. And then we do sewer scopes, we do thermal imaging, we do air quality testing, we do mold testing. Those are like all things so you can add on. to the add to the basic inspection. Yep. So those are all okay. ancillaries that we add onto the basic inspection that uh, that really um, help paint the picture of the health of the home. Yeah. Okay. And then awesome. we're, we're starting a new thing right now, too, that's um, different than most organizations. It's a healthy home inspection. So all the other inspections we do are real estate transaction based. Sure. Well, now we're looking at there's millions of homes that homeowners have lived in. They haven't been in their attic in 20 years. They haven't been in their crawl space in 20 years. They don't know the condition of their home. And basically, we'll come in and do a healthy home check for them and give the homeowner um, an idea of what's going on. So it's a it, it could definitely revolutionize, you know, what the home inspection industry is doing, helping people out with their current homes as well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, Jeff, uh, we're pretty much out of, out of time at this point. Um, if somebody's interested in uh, opening a win home inspection franchise, uh, what, what kind of advice not what kind of advice, but how would they go about doing that? How do they find out more about Win Home Inspections? Oh, sure. They can always contact me, but I would recommend them contact. You go to the webpage, wini.com, and there's a, a tab at the top called Franchising. Uh, click on that, and there's all kinds of information about the franchise itself, so you can read about it, research it, and uh, that would be the best way to get started. Awesome. And give me the last word, Jeff. So you know, you've had a broad career of experience. Um, well, first of all, simple question is you like entrepreneurship a whole lot better than working for someone else? Absolutely. Okay. Well, yeah. Bing. And then yep. what kind of advice you have to somebody getting out of the military that's looking in, looking to get into business and entrepreneurship, run their own show. Right. Um, don't be afraid. I mean, you have to trust yourself and trust the skills that you've developed over the time. You know, you have everything that you need. It's just a matter of plugging yourself in. That's awesome. Simple and sage advice. All right, Jeff. Well, thanks for sharing your entrepreneurial success story. Um, you know, great career in the Coast Guard. And thanks for being a part of the Veteran on the Move podcast and being episode number 500. You can, maybe I'll, I'll send you like a, one more, one more, uh, one more medal for your, uh, for your war rack there. <laughs> there we go. Okay. <laughs> thanks, Jeff. All right, Jeff. All right. These two veterans are Oscar Mike. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike.